Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Thank you for joining us for a Travel Around Table discussion. The point of this new podcast line is to break down the diversity of the planet in some way as it relates to travel. Before we get started, if you're listening to this and you yourself are in the travel community in any way and are interested in joining us for one of these discussions, please please, please reach out to us via email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com and we will get you on the show. As the panel uh, in front of us could, could attest to, they actually did that and, and that's how we are all here today. So please do that. Before we get into the topic today... I want to give each of our panel members the opportunity to just say where you're located in the world, how you're involved in the travel community, and where people can find your content, whether that's your social media handles or, or website. So, Britta, why don't you get us started? Thank you, Bob. So, my name is Britta. I'm the founder of Xanadu Yoga. I'm a world traveling yoga instructor. And I'm currently based in Costa Rica. I am the yoga teacher for a jungle resort down here and the marketing coordinator. I moved here about two months ago and I am here um, for as long as Costa Rica will have me. <laughs> Very jealous of your location right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Yeah, so my name is Matt. Uh, I'm teaching English abroad. So I'm currently in uh, Busan, South Korea. Been here for about two months now. Um, Definitely big into teaching English as a foreign language. So I've spent close to two years in Spain. So then was ready for the next, you know, opportunity. So now I'm in South Korea. Um, in terms of my social media, uh, my name is just Matt Mitzel for the one social media account. And then I have a travel account, just uh, making moves with Matt. And yeah, just excited to be on here. Uh, I'm going to quickly interject and say that the movie Train to Busan is yes. phenomenal. And that's the only way I know where Busan is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> definitely great to watch. I saw it before I came. Excellent. I have to check that out. All right, Nick, what about you? Hey, everyone. Nick DeRiso here, one half of Bros Around the Globe. We are a um, budget travel and adventure blog. Um, I'm currently located uh, just outside of New York City. Uh, I, I teach English online and hopefully off to Mexico within the next few weeks. Where outside of New York City are you, Nick? Uh, Long Island. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, oh, Nassau nice. County. Yeah. Okay. And Vito. Yes. So I'm the other half of Bros Around the Globe. My name is Vito and I am also a online English teacher, and I am also a accounting associate that I work remotely. And I'm also located in Nassau County in Long Island. Excellent. Nice. All right, let's get into it. So today's topic is becoming a digital nomad. And as we all just heard, each of you have experience doing that in some way, shape or form. But before we get into it, I, I guess I want to define for the audience and for the base of this conversation, what it means to be a digital nomad. Uh, so, Britta, do you do you mind taking the lead on this and telling us what a, being a digital nomad means to you? Absolutely. Thank you. Being a digital nomad to me, um, it means saying yes to adventure, but also understanding that this is still a job. So I travel the world teaching yoga and I live and work at this dream resort. But I would say eight to nine hours out of every day, I'm actually like sequencing classes. I'm getting like partnering with other hotels, other tour companies. And it's a lot more work than it is play. And like, yes, I have two days off a week and I don't even get them together. So it's really one day off a week and then another one day off. And I think being a digital nomad, like it's so much fun. I, I think we need to see that it is also work, but it's work that is worth it because you get to see the beauty of the world. Yeah. And so that's something that comes up anytime we bring up the topic of dig being a digital nomad or location independence or anything like that is that uh, it, it tends to come with this facade on social media that these people are just traveling the world and everything's perfect and they're spending all of their time doing these amazing things and it's so much fun. But then as you start to break down what they actually do and you kind of peel back the layers of their Instagram page, you learn very quickly that there is a lot of work involved. And, and that's just for the ones that are trying to uh, make it on social media. Now, Matt, you're, you have something slightly different where you're actually teaching and your content, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't necessarily about the, the glitz and glam of travel. That's just, that's a, 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 a sort of a secondary part of it, right? Your, your work is unrelated to what you, you're posting on social media. 
And I think I want to, I want to get into it a little bit because I think a lot of people uh, initially look at being a digital nomad or being location independent as having to have a job related to travel blogging in some way. And that's not the case. So, so Matt, tell us about your story a little bit and how you got to, to be where you are. Yeah. So in, in talking about the digital nomad, um, so I was also an English teacher online for up to a year. I had to, you know, being in South Korea, being on this visa, you're not allowed to do that kind of thing. You can only have this one job. But as to uh, what Britta was saying, you know, it's not all just, you know, fun. And oh, as you're saying as well, not just like all oh, what you see on Instagram and stuff. It is a lot of, you know, other logistics. So I think the big thing for being a digital nomad is that flexibility. So you could work anywhere in the world, you know, as long as you have this connection and stuff. But, you know, there is a lot with that. Like, I know with me teaching English online, um, you know, you're really dependent on, you know, the time change. So I was teaching online through a Chinese company. So really just having to make sure you have the internet connection, but it is, you do have that opportunity, like I said, to be anywhere, but you still have to, it, it is work and it's not just play. So, I mean, you know, I, I can attest to, you know, with the time, the Chinese, the time change. So I was, you know, located on the East coast. So it was about 13 hours ahead. And, you know, you still have to, you know, wake up really early, do this, do that. And, you know, just being able to be flexible. I mean, I think um, one time I went on vacation with my family, but I still had to, you know, do this online teaching. So, you know, just being able to be flexible in that nature to wake up whenever, you know, you have to work and, you know, I had to teach from inside a bathroom kind of thing, just like, you know, being <laughs> that, that flexibility, like, you know, I was with my family and, you know, they're all sleeping in the other room, but no, I got to work. You know, that is what goes with the being a digital nomad. It's not it, like exactly what we're saying. It's not all that fun. And you know, I mean, it, it is, it is work at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's sort of like this unorthodox and relatively new industry. Now, not to, not to say that traveling and working and finding work is a new concept, but this idea that you can now log in and you're not, you're not confined to what the jobs are in the country you visit. You can now hold a position in Manhattan while living in Chiang Mai. And so the industry is evolving and the opportunities are evolving with it. And especially now, um, post-COVID, with the lockdown, I think you're going to see new positions open up, which is is, is great for, for young people, for where we are. And, and the opportunities that we can now have, like location independence, I don't think is going to be considered a lug not not a luxury but something that is uh hard not a far-fetched goal I, I don't think it i don't think it's going to be hard to achieve and you're going to see more and more people actually go that route because who doesn't want to go that route and it, especially if you can hold on to this really good position and make a good living and not be stuck in an office in a city that you don't really want to be in yeah um and nick and Vito, uh, tell us about your experiences a little bit sure you want to start nick yeah, sure. Um, Vito and I uh, took a year off um, to travel the world. And we're, when we came back, we're really looking for a, 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 an, an opportunity to do it a bit more sustainably this time to stay out there longer. And we met a lot of people who were, uh, they were just uh, do it, be actual digital nomads a few years ago. And kind of when we came back, we kind of hit the drawing board and, and looked at uh, how are we able to go back and live the t dream of traveling and seeing all these places, but also not burning through a savings account while doing it? Um, and we wrote about it uh, in a blog of how much it will cost. So we wanted to uh, look at a way that you're able to live this lifestyle where you're not tied to a place and you're able to pick up and go, um, but also to maintain an income by doing that at the same time. And I think now, especially as you mentioned with COVID, um, you know, things, the, the playing field is now opening up to a lot of people. And and initially, the teaching was the first instinct. But now Vito also has another opportunity about doing payroll for a company. God, Vito, I'll let you uh, take it away from yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, to touch on what you said, uh, Bob and Nick, with this uh, post-corona post or present coronavirus world, how you look yeah. at it, uh, that we're living in, it's kind of turned almost a major portion of the entire world into digital nomads in a sense, right? Because maybe people aren't moving around and crossing borders, but they are working from a remote connection in their own homes, which is kind of changing the atmosphere of the work environment. Maybe something that was 10, 15 years down the road has just crashed right into us right now. 
And for myself, I had a interesting experience with it because like Nick said, when we came home from traveling about two years ago, we were searching for something, whether, whether it was teaching online or doing web design or coding, learning some sort of skill that we could take on the road with us. And I was working for a recruiting agency in Manhattan and I was doing their accounting and payroll. And I actually asked my boss if I could maybe do this position remotely. This was about a year ago. And he said, no way. He can't really trust me on the road and doing this. Like this is the old world where bosses needed to see you in their physical location. Right. And lo and behold, just a couple of months ago, the world changes. And I asked him again, what do you think now, now that I've proven that I can do it for eight months now? And his answer was totally different. He said, yeah, go ahead. So now this opens up another stream of income for me for doing this payroll and also teaching online and hopefully finding the school in person as Matt seems to be doing in South Korea as well. Right. Yeah. And I think the counter to this online digital work environment from older generations tends to be, you know, there's going to be some sort of slacking and people aren't going to be keeping up with their work. But I find that I find it very easy to counter that with the the you, you can you can see the work right and if you're if you're not producing work and you're not keeping up with it you're not being efficient i don't understand how they can even use that as an excuse if someone's working from home and they're not producing whatever the work is that you want to the quality that you want it get rid of them and find somebody that will and mm-hmm. i think that if you have someone working in an office in manhattan who is now working from home in manhattan and is not performing the work to the quality or the standard that the company wants it, they can now find somebody in Alabama or Kansas or, or San Diego to fill that position. And so, yeah, I, I think that's, it's really interesting. So slightly, I have an idea for this conversation. Okay. And what I want to do is, and any of you can chime in at any point, this doesn't have to be, you know, calling everybody, calling out, calling you guys out individually, but I want to get into why you don't like being a digital nomad. What are some of the things that you you really dislike about it or that you wish would change? Because people listening to this may be sitting somewhere and deciding whether or not they want to teach in South Korea or travel the world and teach yoga or, you know, a number of different things. And I think it's important to lay it out that this isn't all glitz and glam, like we mentioned earlier, and that there are challenges. And so I want to bring those challenges to the forefront of the conversation get through them. And then maybe as we get towards the end, we'll talk about how great it is and obviously why you all like it and do it every day. So if anybody wants to start with some of the things that they dislike about being a digital nomad or location independent, please do. I'll start. Okay. Um, some things I dislike, especially living in Costa Rica, is that it rains starting at 2 p.m. And when I say rain, <laughs> I mean like streets flooding, electric yeah. goes out. So I have to charge all of my products, you know, in the morning, my laptop, my phone, my camera, everything has to be charged in the morning. I have to wake up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. to get work done. God forbid the power goes out at 2 p.m. So that's when my day is over. And I think living in Costa Rica, especially this is just in Central America in general, is the visa laws change every week. They change the laws here all the time. So you could arrive like I arrived October 1st and they're like, okay, you can stay through March. But now they like just change it. You have to leave next week. So things are constantly changing. And when you're like planning to like sign a contract and stay with a job for a certain amount of time, you now have to like take days off to do a border run or fly back to the States for 24 hours. So you can come back to the country you're working in, even if it is digital. For me, it's part digital, part in person. So it's different for everyone, but just little annoying things like that that just make it a little uncomfortable um, or a lot uncomfortable when, you know, the streets are flooded and you can't leave the hotel for five to six days. So things like that inconveniences yes yeah. <laughs> right yeah i could see how that would be frustrating i mean with the visas changing that has to add some level of anxiety and uncertainty to to your position there absolutely and it's just thankfully we don't open until next weekend so like we can all do the border run before that because most of us are from different countries not even from costa rica but it's very interesting how they just throw laws out and then they see how the public reacts and they decide to keep them or to get rid of them. Hmm. That's very different than the United States. Yes. <laughs> how do you keep in, in touch with these ever-changing visa laws? How do you get notified or stay alert to them? Yeah, so um, I just check in with the consulate or the embassy or everyone, like the entire town just starts panicking and that's how you hear about it as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Very nice. D- does anybody miss anything about being in the United States long term or, you know, a sense of community with the town or the, the place that they originally are from? I would uh, say that, you know, you have to be ready to uh, relationships change with people that you meet. And it comes along with being a, a digital nomad or a long term traveler is that, um you know, you, you, you're, if you're constantly on the move, it's very hard to maintain relationships um, with people, whether it's friends or, uh, you know, the love of your life that you meet and you're in another city in the next couple of months. So being able to um, just really cherish the time that you meet with people that you enjoy or local friends that you make and being being OK with um, constantly moving. And it's a. Uh, you know, a thing that you don't really think about, everything's all great. Uh, and then once you're moving and you don't see people anymore, you, you can always keep in touch with social media, but the, uh, the how fast relationships can change when you're constantly on the move and uh, keeping up with those relationships. And uh, it's kind of a, 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 a traveler dilemma. You know, we're always looking for the next place to go and the next thing to see, but we're also moving a, a, away from, you know, really awesome relationships that we have made uh in the places we've stayed yeah i can that that being tough so i don't really have any experience with that but i i could imagine feeling you know uneasy about either meeting somebody or getting to you know to or traveling with somebody that i really care for and having to split and be on your own do, do any of you have you ever, ever have any of you ever fought loneliness in just general sense of maybe this isn't for you based on your lack of relationships with people? Absolutely. I mean, uh, when it when we were traveling long-term for that year, it usually hit me around the holidays when I go on social media and I would see family all getting together and big events and parties. And when I was away, I had a grandmother pass away and so did Nick and uh, also had a nephew born that I missed. And a lot of these big moments, you never get to relive again, right? It's just kind of one, one and done. And uh, during those moments, I definitely felt a sense of loneliness and a f- sense of kind of being isolated, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine that's, that's pretty hard and that is a trade-off, yeah. Do any of you anticipate continuing to be a digital mo- nomad if you want to start a family? <laughs> that is the, that's the yeah that's the million dollar question right it's like you can't predict what's going to happen and you never know what the future has to bring but it is this this long-term traveling does and and bouncing from place to place again it, it brings this sort of that uncertainty oh will i ever will i ever certain uh, you know you don't can't predict what's going to happen in the future but not knowing uh having that uncertainty of of waiting and, and it's yeah, that that's a reason I think a huge thing that you know this lifestyle or this digital nomad lifestyle isn't really for everyone. Um, if you're such a, a back to that planner, it's kind of it's a good mix of being planning to a T and also being able to roll with whatever comes your way. Yeah, one of our early conversations when we started the podcast was with this couple, and their their tagline is Honey Trek, and it's been basically an extended honeymoon. I think they're going on. I think I follow them actually. Yeah. yeah. It's been, uh, it's been at least three years, maybe five oh, or, thought- or it was way longer than that. I don't, I don't fully remember, <laughs> but they're, they're not, they're past the point of wanting kids and they have come to the conclusion that this, their digital nomad lifestyle is their form of children. Like the connections they make, across the world are their family and they're completely content with that. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a dilemma for sure. And it's interesting. Um, You know, one thing I wanted to mention about uh, something negative about being a digital nomad that maybe people don't think of for me is the spontaneity is such a big reason why I love travel, right? I love being able to meet somebody and, hey, let's go down to the beach and have a surf or let's go get lunch. And that's something as a digital nomad that you kind of lose a little bit. You can't actually have that spontaneity on a daily basis like you can if you're not working. Um, You have schedules set for your yoga classes or for your 
your English classes or my payroll needs to be due by a certain day and certain time every day. So if something comes up in that time period, unfortunately, I have to say no. And that's it's always hard for me. But that's that's kind of what you sign up for with this lifestyle. Yeah, yeah you- I would agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is still a job, as you're mentioning. It is. I mean, it's, it's as if you are in an office, you still have to the deadline, still get things done. So, I mean, yeah, you are, let's say, in Costa Rica or whatever, but you still have a job at the end of the day. And to go off, you know, some challenges, I would say the big one for me is uh, the time change. Hmm. You know, it's a big world out there. There's so many different time zones. So for me, as I mentioned before, teaching English online through a Chinese company, just having to always, you know, be flexible with the time change. You know, it's 13 hours, but then, you know, East, our U.S., we do the daylight savings. We'll oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then it was, okay, well, I'm locked into this contract. And, well, I signed up originally for, what, 6.30 a.m. onwards. But now, okay, now i got to wake up even early. Now it's 5.30. And I, I didn't know that because I didn't know about the time change, stuff like that. <laughs> yep. And as Britt had mentioned, the, the internet. Um, there were times when, I mean, being a digital nomad, I mean, it's all about the internet. So you need that yeah. solid connection. You can't play around with, you know, spotty connection. And there were times with, you know, this teaching where the internet went out and it was, well, I can't teach. That's, that's the job. You're, you're stuck. So, I mean, there were times where, you know, I had to pay money because, you know, I couldn't do the job, you know, I, stuff like that. Like I'm sure before, so I, I did some traveling and I taught English online for a little bit, but most of the time I did the online teaching was back in the U S but I mean, you really got to do research. You can't, as you're saying, spontaneity, you can't just go anywhere. You got to check out, okay, well, am I going to be able to find the internet? Is it this and that? Because if you don't have the internet, you're not a digital nomad. You're just <laughs> Joe Schmo walking around. You're, you're just a yeah. nomad. You're just a nomad. <laughs> you're just yeah. a nomad. Yeah. It's the full so, you know, Exactly. You kind of need yeah. both parts. You need the digital nature of it. And I, for me, this is a time change in the internet. Like, again, if you're traveling, okay, then what's the new time change? What's the difference between... When I was in the East Coast, as I'm in Europe now, what's it with the Chinese? Like, just that kind of thing. So, those, those are the big, um, what's the word? Not problems, but uh, factors that inconveniences. Conveniences. Fast <laughs> internet yeah. at that. It needs to be yeah. fast. It can't yeah. just be. <laughs> well, I mean, especially, yeah, when you're looking at a kid, you know, you can't be like spotty. Like, this <laughs> yeah. that. Like, that doesn't work. Oh. Yeah, it can't be yeah. McDonald's Wi Fi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's 100%. Yeah, really interesting to me because I guess something that I haven't really considered before is that you're actually pretty limited now based on where you can go. If you are a digital nomad relying on a strong internet connection, that cuts out a nice chunk of the planet, right? And so, I think you'd be surprised, Bob. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, but let, let's just take South America for example. You're going to be limited to the cities, right? You're not going to be in. You're not going to get to explore the Amazon jungle, or or see, you know, the the Argentinian countryside and be a digital nomad. Well, that's where that's where I'd like to argue is because I think right now the there are so many things converging on this digital nomad lifestyle, right? Like the internet was the biggest part of it, but we're not just at the internet now. We have five G. And we are now approaching more satellites in the sky than there are, I don't know, cities in Pennsylvania. (laughs) The point is there's a lot of satellites in the sky and a lot of them are providing basically satellite internet. And you can get products now that have been available for five or 10 years where you don't need a Wi-Fi connection. You can get internet through a satellite connection and you can get internet in the Argentinian countryside. And you can get it anywhere in the world. And the other convergence is COVID-19. Is that available today? Yeah. The 5G? I mean, to me, 5G is just a... Is, it's just I, a name? No, I thought the infrastructure <laughs> wasn't yet. I know there are like some cities that have 5G capabilities, but I don't think that's been rolled out nationally or globally yet. Yeah, it it has been rolled out completely in the United States, but 5G for cell phone uses is based on towers, not satellites. Oh, okay. So having a satellite connection, and it, it all depends. It's not necessarily a 4G connection. It's just a, it depends on your megabit upload, megabit download, but you can still get internet, reliable internet pretty much anywhere in the world at this point, as long as you have a satellite connection, which Russia has 
a few, like at least a few dozen. The United States has a few dozen. Iran, India, they're getting more satellites up every single month. Hmm. And I mean, if you just have cell service, technically you can have a SIM card in your cell phone and turn your cell phone into a Wi-Fi hotspot. It may not be the strongest connection depending on where you are and depending on what you're looking to do. Teaching English obviously takes a, up a lot more bandwidth than me just logging in to yeah. <laughs> bang on some spreadsheets, you know? Um, it all depends, I guess, what you're doing. Yeah, and so maybe this can segue into the next portion of this conversation. What are some of the main factors uh, that you consider when deciding on the destination and how you move around the planet? And I know for each of you, you're on different industries, so there's going to be slightly different factors. But is there anything that I want to see if there's anything that we all agree upon uh, as like a main contributor to choosing the destination? And I know, I know internet is probably going to be the big one that might come back around. So let's try to avoid bringing up Wi-Fi again. And is there anything else that you all consider when choosing your destination? For me, it's visas and just job accessibility. So Costa Rica, as an American, it's quite easy to get a job down here, especially as a yoga teacher, because any hotel, any resort, every place has a yoga studio down here. Um, and it's just like that in a lot of um, countries in Central America. But I think it's also just my worth, like knowing your worth as a digital nomad, making that the main factor. Like you can get any job anywhere, but choose the one that's going to treat you the best, choose the one that has the, the best housing if they offer that the best pay, because you don't wanna just be living off pennies as a digital nomad. You want to be really bringing in abundance as you're working somewhere abroad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am, go ahead. I have a question for, and mm -hmm. all of you can answer this one by one if you want, but. Are most of the companies you work for traditionally based in the United States? I know, Matt, you said you worked for a Chinese English translation company or tutoring company, but where, what about other, the other jobs you've had? Is this for me? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I've worked for companies in Southeast Asia and Central America that were not based out of the United States. And again, it's just, it depends on the visa situation, um, some of the jobs, they're American, like the, there's like a, it's like a local mom and pop shop that's like owned by Americans. So like that visa situation is taken care of, but I think it really depends on what you're looking for also. And when it, I guess when it comes to like how easy it is as a yoga teacher, it's quite easy because in the yoga industry, you can just make your classes donation-based or you can make it a set rate, like you sell class packs instead of a drop-in so your students can commit to coming to 10 classes every month or every couple months, and that way you always have a stream of income no matter where you're teaching. Mm -hmm. And you can also teach on Zoom right now because everyone's doing that since COVID happened, and that's great too if that works for you. Yeah. What about Nick and Vito? Is your company that you teach with uh, American-based? I teach for a private institute that is located in Algeria, so northern Africa. Um, it, the founder is actually uh, from New York City. She lives okay. there, and the school was founded, and then COVID happened, and now uh, the founder is in the States, but uh, all the students are uh, is in, it's in an Algerian company, um, actually, and it's a private institution, so I prefer to work for a smaller uh, private school and then have individual students um, that I work with on the side as uh, private tutoring uh, versus working for a large teaching corporation um, that are very popular. Yeah, and for myself, I am just teaching for a US-based uh, school called Cambly. I don't know if maybe Matt, oh, you're familiar with it. I do know Cambly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, uh, it's kind of more of a part-time gig for now as I'm still working with uh, this recruiting agency in New York City. So I'm kind of combining both of them together. And um, as far as the other question about things to consider about places that we look to go to besides the right. internet, Cheap. that's exactly cost of living. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, it's very difficult to make it work in Switzerland or Iceland <laughs> or Norway oh. or Australia, right? Like, yeah. it's no coincidence that we end up kind of in these places like Central America or Southeast Asia. Um, there, the cost of it, living plays into it a lot. Yeah, the cities that have um, erupted onto the map, you know, places like Chiang Mai, Thailand, Da Nang, Vietnam, all yeah. these places where you can uh, pay 
less than $300 a month for uh, immaculate uh, apartment or Airbnb, and you're able to save uh, at the same time. And that's uh, always a win where you're able to uh, not just uh, just cover your daily expenses, but also be able to save as, you know, or that's why we're looking at Mexico as a, as a destination pretty soon as uh, we're able to just save a little bit as well and also live, uh, you know, not just scraping to get by uh, daily, you know, eating good, uh, paying a cheaper rent and uh, having a high quality of life whilst being able to save, save at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. It's quite difficult in New York City as uh, <laughs> you know, Bob, right? <laughs> yeah. Far away at all. I'm right outside of Philadelphia. Not as bad as New York City, but pretty pretty close. Um, yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's one of the biggest benefits of being a digital nomad is being able to make Western money in a non-Westernized nation and being able to, to bank that extra income and have your money go way farther than it ever would in the United States. And so as long as you're willing to pass up, which most travelers are, the some of the luxuries that we have in the United States, I think it's a, it's a win-win. Yeah. I think the perception has changed a lot with what we consider the definition of a digital nomad, right? 20 years ago, I think older, older people that heard the term digital nomad thought of a trustafarian, someone who had money, came from money, just wanted to travel the world to find themselves and figure out what they wanted to do in life. And it's kind of transitioned from that then to being a digital nomad means that you are self-employed, that you are creating content and you yourself are your employer. And that that was the only way to do it. And now I think we've taken it at one step further where we have individuals like yourself. I know, Britta, you actually have your own company, but for Nick, Matt, and Vito, they're all working remotely for either international companies or national companies. But we are now, I think, approaching the question of, are you able to provide for yourself in the future? Do you have basically the 401k options that many people think is necessary and that you have to have? Are there health benefits and the like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about the lifestyle you take. I mean, if you're going to as we're talking about location dependent um, or independent, if you are going to Southeast Asia, then you can, depending on the hours and stuff, you know, save that money and then reinvest in stuff, you know, the 401k health insurance, stuff like that. So I think it's all about, you know, your lifestyle. It depends what you're trying to get out of the digital nomad lifestyle. If you, I don't know, you're teaching English in Paris where it's really expensive, then maybe it's just getting by like, okay, I just, I just want to experience life there. Not necessarily thinking about the long term. So I think it all depends on the person and, you know, the choices you make, where, as we were saying uh, before, you know, where, where you go, you're like someone said, Switzerland and Iceland, you're not going to save the money there, but maybe you can have that experience. But then these kinds of questions, you know, 401k and, you know, providing, you know, you're not going to experience that kind of thing. So I think it's all about, you know, what you're looking to get out of it. Is it a short-term thing or is it a long-term, I am going to be a digital nomad. So then you need to reevaluate how you are going to save that money and provide and all that stuff. So it all depends on, what you're looking to get out of it, I would say. Yeah. Nick, you kind of touched on this earlier in the conversation about not wanting to travel for three or four months and drain your bank account and then come and then come back to your home base, make some money and then do it again. The The point of being a digital nomad is that you don't have to do that, right? You want to be able to make the money and sustain yourself abroad. That's interesting. Yeah. I never really looked at it as essentially too two different categories of being a digital nomad. You have those who might want to do it just to make enough money to continue their travels around the world with no specific goal other than being able to see as much of the world as they possibly can. And then those who do it for more financial reasons because they know that they can, their money essentially will go farther in, in different countries. And so that's really interesting. And so I guess that's probably step number one to becoming a digital nomad or, or getting you on that path to maybe be, be maybe become one. Um, would be to just decide how you essentially want to go about it. Is this financially, um, is, it, is this something that you want to do for financial purposes or do you just essentially want to see the world? And so, yeah, that's something pretty important to consider. Um, can we can we get some good stories, some of the, the positive things that you've all experienced while being digital nomads, some things that might entice someone to take that step, enjoyments, people you've met, just general good experiences? Anybody can jump in at any point too. 
I was randomly in a Grammy nominated music video in Ireland. Whoa. And it <laughs> what? was not planned. Yeah, this is a thing. And it was when I first became a digital nomad. I mean, it was my first like real solo trip abroad, figuring out how to become a traveling yoga teacher. And I was teaching yoga for a family um, in Cork and they didn't have Wi-Fi in the house, of course. And I had to go down to the pub every night to get Wi-Fi and just like get work done. And I met, you know, these, these girls and they had these friends and they're like, Hey, like come spend time with our band. And I was like, of course. And they're like, Hey, like I have an acting background. Like I went to acting school in New York city, auditioned for all the shows, things like that. And they're like, we need an actress for this music video. Will you be in it? And I was like, absolutely. And <laughs> it went great. They got nominated for a Grammy and they have been going strong the past five years. So that's just like a fun, spontaneous adventure that can happen when you're a digital nomad and you just say yes. Like always say yes yeah. to just yeah. the weird, spontaneous things that can happen while you're traveling because they will change your life. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, we need to see the link to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll put it Please. In the show I want to know what's happening. <laughs> also, which pub? Um, <laughs> so the pub that I went down to is called Rosie's Pub. It's um, in this tiny town in Ireland called Ahada, and it's in it's like um a, a little town outside of Cork. Okay, Cork is beautiful. Yeah. It is. I think that's my favorite town in Ireland. Favorite city, whatever have you. Whatever. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, for me, uh, talking about spontaneous, like just the people you meet. Um, I'm really big at you know staying in hostels and stuff, and you know the people you meet. It's just you know I'm from Maryland, so just you know being back in the U.S. Like if you go to a bar and stuff, yeah. like. You're not gonna ask people, oh, where are you from? <laughs> Get out of here. Who are you? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, you're from the town near okay, who cares? But abroad, it's you know, oh, where are you from? And then you could be having a conversation with a guy from Sweden, a girl from South Africa, just like the people you meet. I mean, I just those experiences cannot be duplicated. I, I think let's say if I was not a digital nomad nomad and you're just working that nine to five back home, like for me, it's all about the people you meet. For one, it's the things you see, but the experiences and you know, I, I was never in a music video, as, <laughs> but, but stuff like that, just these experiences. Like one time I was in a hostel, met these, met these guys from India and we were in Croatia and they said, Hey man, we, we rented a car. We're going to Bosnia tomorrow. You want to come? And just like that kind of thing, like, Oh, I didn't expect to go there, but you know, just because I met them, I'm going to Bosnia. Like just that kind of thing. And just, I mean, you meet so many people, the world is so big. There's so many languages and stuff. And for me, the hostels are the great way to meet them. And just that's what traveling for me is all about. Again, what you see, but who you meet, I think is just, yeah. it goes hand in hand to make the traveling what it is and why I love it so much. It's also one big learning experience. Uh, you constantly prove to yourself that you're capable of things that you never thought you'd able be able to do. Um, it, it's just one life lesson after another that you'll never learn in a classroom or by going through the, uh, the nine to five mundane uh, lifestyle. And, and you, the spot, you never know what's going to happen or who you're, you're going to meet. And, um, you know, just, just learning about yourself and, and being away from home and, and being out of your comfort zone and, and changing up your surroundings is just an incredible learning experience that um, the travel brings us and being able to continue to do that, but while not draining your bank account is uh, it just, uh, just you, can't, you can't put a price on it. Yeah, and I think Matt nailed it on the head with... Uh... It's about the people, right? Um, when people ask me my favorite parts of travel, I always like to tell them that, of course, Machu Picchu is a beautiful place and the nature in New Zealand was unbelievable. But if you imagine a scenario where there's no people on the planet and you're the only person, is it really that special anymore if you have no one to share these moments with? That's Will really, Smith. Yeah, <laughs> I am legend. Exactly, right? It's, it's true. It takes all of the juice out of it. And it's the people that really provide that juice in every experience we have on this. Especially planet. locals. If you can get in with locals Definitely. and really get an uh, eye in for what's happening in a place and uh, become friends with people that live there, uh, they'll take you in like you're their own and, and show you an incredible experience that you know, no tour uh, can ever cover. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you guys ever had experiences where you realized how small the world was? Like you ran into someone that you met in yes. Bali and you actually saw them in Chiang Mai or yeah. some other part of the world. And you're like, how is this possible? We didn't coordinate this at all. 
I got a story. I, I, tell I, I, I got it's a happened story. so many times. It, it happened a few <laughs> times. One was really threw me off guard was we were in uh, we were in Pai, uh, northern Thailand, watching a sunset um, in this canyon and just hanging out with some friends we met, enjoying it. And some taps me on the shoulder, and I used to manage a snowboard shop in Vail, Colorado, and. An employee, the last time I saw her was when I fired her. I run into her in Thailand. At, Uh-oh. <laughs> in Thai. It was all good. It was all good. But the randomness of how small the world could be sometimes. Of like, last time I saw you is when I had you sign your resignation papers. And now you're here in Thailand, halfway across the world, at the same place at the same time. Blew my mind, but yeah, there's wow. a couple of them. That was a, a an odd one for sure, but it wow. just makes you think like, wow, the the world is uh, could be even smaller sometimes. Yeah. that's so funny. When I was in Thailand, I think I was in either Phuket or Krabi. I ended up. It was it was quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was maybe a day before we met anybody that that spoke English outside of our little group that we were with, and so I heard these people speaking English, and I went up and struck up a conversation because I knew they were from the United States just to talk to them. They ended up being from uh, like two towns over from me in, in New Jersey. And we had mutual friends. He, they went to high school with some of my friends. Oh, wow. Run <laughs> <laughs> into entire yeah. and then have them be essentially a few towns over was incredible. It kind of blew my mind. Yeah. On the other side of the world too. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But that happened to me. I did, I did a, six weeks study abroad when I was in Tanzania and we were in Dar es Salaam on the East coast. And I was walking around. Actually, one of my buddies was walking around with a Penn state hat on and two guys stop us. And they're like, Hey, did you guys go to Penn state? And like, yeah. They're like, yeah, so did we. And they ended up being roommates with one of our classmates and they were (laughs) working on an oil rig off the coast of Zanzibar. Yeah. Insane. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was probably I think it was in January. So I was did like a little Eastern European tour. So I was in Sofia, Bulgaria, and at one of these hostels, there was this guy who's an older guy because you know hostels maybe the crowd is a little younger. He was I don't know maybe in his fifties. He was from California or something. And so uh, like two three weeks later, I was in Albania, and he he wore these glasses like these um. I guess they're like the, the yellow kind where they're, they really stick out. And so I remember, you know, he, he wore it all the time. So I remember seeing in Bulgaria, like, oh, man, I've never really seen this, you know, people wearing those. So then in Albania, I go to this tour and I see him from across like this, um, this plaza with the glasses. And I said, is that him? And you know, we reconnected. And it was just crazy because it was, you know, weeks later in a whole nother country. And, you know, we were hanging out again. It was just you know, one of those moments. And then another time. I was in Barcelona and met this guy from France at a hostel and he, he was telling me, Oh yeah, I had an internship in the U S and I said, Oh yeah, where he said in Maryland. And I said, I mean, I'm from Maryland, you know, it's not a big state. And so he was actually in the County next to him as an intern from France. And just one of those moments, like, wow. like not many people know about Maryland in the U S sometimes. So outside the U S true. What you interned there. So yeah, it, just those moments. Just Matt, crazy. that that old guy didn't happen to be Paulo Martino, did it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. Um, his name was Ken. Okay. Yeah, yeah he, Ken. Yeah, he was very recognizable we, with his glasses. We did we did a podcast episode. He ended up being from Perth, Australia, and has oh, a okay. has a tattoo parlor in Bali. But he did a motorcycle ride across from Dubai all the way to Norway. Norway. Wow. And so I th- that would have made sense if he saw you in Sofia and then <laughs> right. in Albania. I probably just missed him. I didn't recognize him though, you know? <laughs> do, do you think relationships are the main reason? Is this like a mutual thing? Does everybody agree that's the number one factor? Or does somebody else have something else that really drives them to travel the world and be a digital nomad? I think just creating relationships and creating community is the reason I travel, especially as a yoga teacher, just having the opportunity to bring people together through something that we all love. And that's just the connection of it. Now, does everybody here, would everybody here consider themselves an extrovert or, or a person, a people person, not a person, person, people person. Like, do you think that you have to be someone, do you have to be outgoing essentially to be a digital nomad? 
Um, I mean, I, I don't think you have to be, but I think it really, you know, changes the experience. You know, I, I talk to anyone and everyone. I'll, I'll talk to, you know, trees like just you need to have. <laughs> Do they talk back? <laughs> you got you to gotta get to know them, you know, but, you know, just I mean, if because I met, you know, in hostels, some of these, you know, introverts, quiet people. And I, I don't I mean, I can't speak for their experience, but I feel like if, you know, especially if you go to the hostels and stuff and how are you going to create relationships if you don't put yourself out there? If you go to a foreign country, especially if it's one where they don't speak, you know, your language, then how are you going to meet people? It'll be a very reserved experience, I would say. And, you know, of course, that's cool for people. But for me, I just can't imagine, I don't know, just going to a hotel or something where, or in Airbnb by, by myself for an extended period of time. And then who do I talk to kind of thing? That, that's why for me, I, I believe that the experience is a lot better because from what I've experienced, if you are an extrovert and just, you know, being able to talk to anyone and everyone, because like we're saying for me, the relationships, I think that's the big, the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can go ahead, Vito. Yeah. I, I don't think you necessarily have to be an extrovert, extrovert, but you will learn to be right. Like yeah. Yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll kind of be forced to at some point come out of your shell a little bit. So you might not become a full fledged extrovert, but you will become more extroverted than you are today. There's no, mm -hmm. no two ways about it to me. Yeah. It's something interesting to consider too. If for, for those of you listening to this that are somewhere probably in the United States, um, travel kind of gives you the opportunity to reinvent yourself in a way. And if you are someone who's quieter, uh, doesn't have a lot of relationships at home and is sort of looking to travel as an escape in a way or an opportunity to just try something new, you can step into a new country and meet new people and give a brand new first impression and you could try new things and you can experiment with your alter egos yeah, <laughs> yourself a little bit and you know yeah and you could you know you could be a, someone in croatia and a different person in italy no but the the opportunity is there to force it on yourself i don't know i i, I think you guys understand my my thought yeah. So yeah, far. life life on the road helps you bring out the best version of yourself. So uh, I think even if you are, there's no better opportunity to go out and meet more people if you do feel shy. I mean, that's how it was for me. I'm naturally an introvert, but um, I felt when I was traveling and when I am on the road and seeing new places, I, I helps me become the best version of myself. I'm naturally more outgoing. I have uh, a better, a more positive attitude uh, about everything. You kind of become more of an optimist. And um, for me, that's, I think, another driving force is just becoming the best version of yourself by um, being out there in the world. It kind of brings it out of you. I think these conversations are really interesting about bringing the best self or becoming your best self, continuing to learn and learning to talk to people, right? A lot of people do not like small talk for whatever reason, they just hate it. And you don't get past, you don't get to the big talk without the small talk. You can't just jump into the conversations like, what is your biggest regret in life? You don't do <laughs> yeah, that. Great point. You gotta <laughs> and, find out what your name and where you're from first. Right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> And so I, I don't remember where I heard this or where I read it, but I think once our generation, once the millennial and the Gen Z generation comes into the, I guess, the power holding jobs of the workforce, we're not going to be asking where you went to school. We're going to be asking where you traveled after school. Mm. Did you travel a, for an extended period of time? Did you ever take a, a year to find yourself traveling the world? Because we understand the value in traveling, we understand the value of putting yourself out there, putting yourself in a different world and out of your comfort zone, because those are the individuals that will take steps to better themselves and will put in the effort to do the hard work because they know it's worth it. Perfectly said. Yeah. Very well said, Elliot. Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, for those uh, listening, do any of you have resources or? information online that you rely upon to understand what's going on in different countries and essentially prepare for jobs abroad? Um, I mean, I just Google really, I mean, because some, <laughs> someone has done it for every, every country, yeah. someone has done whatever. So there's so many blogs, you know, social media is such a great way to connect with that. You know, you type in the destination you want to go, Oh, here's Susie doing what I'm trying to do. So it's just that kind of thing. I mean, just, just a quick Google search, like, Oh, 
digital nomad Thailand. Well, so many people have done that. Like even in the lesser known countries, someone has done that. I feel like unless you're going to digital nomad Antarctica, I mean, there's so many resources. I feel like that's been done. After this, I will the Wi-Fi there. Someone's done it. Someone's done everything really for that. So I think just, you know, simple Google search. And I don't think it's, you know, rocket science really to find this information because it's, it's all out there really. Yeah, I'm a fan of actually private Facebook groups. I find those. Yes, that's a big one. That's what I'm yes. in. Yeah, I, I think I'm in a few digital nomad ones actually. And uh, yeah, there, there's uh, being able to talk amongst your peers and bounce ideas off of one another and ask ahead of time with people who've actually done it and get real time responses to that to those questions. I find incredibly helpful. I'm I'm in Facebook groups for every aspect of my life. <laughs> <laughs> just before this call, I actually just joined a few from uh, Puerto Escondido in Mexico because we're looking for maybe a monthly rental. And it's it's funny you mentioned that it's they're so useful. I kind of can't stand Facebook in every other aspect, but the groups the groups are amazing. The groups are really good. Yeah. Do you have a group to help you find groups? <laughs> there is one for that i swear <laughs> yeah facebook in a broad sense is a cesspool but uh, <laughs> i think there is uh, a group you know every country has its own like expatriate group yeah which i, I find to be incredible i'm in a peruvian expatriate group i don't know why because <laughs> you love peru <laughs> I, I do yeah and it, it is quite active right now given the current situation but it, it's very interesting yeah to be able to do that so we've talked about the the bad things, or I guess we understand that being a digital nomad is not necessarily all glamour. We understand there's hard work put into it, but there is a vast reward at the end of the day when you can either spend a weekend exploring a new country or a new city, meeting all of these new people. But are there any horror stories that you have while being a digital nomad that won't necessarily happen to everyone listening? but it did happen what you did to get out of it. Hmm. Um, I, I'll start, I guess. Uh, so uh, I was teaching abroad in, in Spain, uh, spent some, some time there. And uh, for those, has anyone been to Barcelona? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Barcelona has, I mean, it's a great city. It's, it's my favorite city. I think, you know, I spent close to 10 months there, but they have a big problem with pickpockets. Yeah. So in my time there, I've heard, I've told this story so many times, but I've had, you know, not one, but two phone phones uh, stolen. Uh, the one, one I feel phone. Like, I feel like the first time it was okay, but the second time that's on you. <laughs> See, I, 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 it kind of was like, so the first time we, my friends and I, we went out to this, this club on, on the beach. Cause they got, cause you know, Barcelona's on, on the water. So they got a bunch of clubs and stuff. So my friends and I, we, go to this club and you know they're charging an arm and a leg for drinks so we decide okay let, let's leave the club let's get some drinks then come back or whatever so this this guy comes up to us and he's i don't know trying to sell us cigarettes or something and we said no we're good so he goes to uh he says oh this was my fault it was he says okay uh yeah let me show you how we do a you know handshake in spain so i was like okay yeah what is that so he goes <laughs> You know, he, he shakes my hand like this and like he steps on my shoe like in that moment and kind of pulls me in. So, you know, it's the distraction. So little do I know, he wraps his arm around and like gets my phone out of my pocket. So my friends, they're recording the incident because they think me and this guy are wrestling. <laughs> so 10 minutes later, I said, where's my phone? So we just played it off like, oh, yeah, you dropped it in the sand, whatever. And to top off the night, there was a guy sleeping in my bed at the hostel. Just it was all these things that went wrong. Sounds but, about right. Yeah, yeah. But the next day, so my friend, he says, uh, yeah, man, like I figured out what happened to your phone. Uh, look. And so it, was, <laughs> so it had happened. So just, you know, stuff like that. I'm sure everyone can attest to that. Just I don't know if anyone's gotten, you know, pickpocketed, but. Yep. I mean, that could happen anywhere or whatever, but just like how you deal with it. Like, you know, I've never been pickpocketed in the U.S. I, I can't see myself ever being pickpocketed in the U.S., but like abroad. Yeah. So then the second time, like I got like jumped, like, you know, got another phone stolen. But yeah, all right, maybe the second one wasn't your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think it wasn't like if, if the second time was the first time and then 
Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was my fault, but yeah. You have to share that video with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. It's it's like my friend, he so we had put the slow-mo version afterwards. And it, honestly, I think it's the greatest video I'll ever be a part of. And you know, <laughs> it's not going to be anyone. Yeah. I went to the police station to, I know I wasn't going to get the phone back, but to, to file a uh, claim for homeowner's insurance. And, you know, the cops were like laughing at the video. And, I'm, and I said, yeah, it is pretty funny. Like they, they did get me, but yeah, I'll definitely share that video because it's, it's a classic. Excellent. It's funny that technique you described in Barcelona is the same technique that happened to me in Brussels in uh, oh, yeah. Belgium. Yeah. Except mm. uh, when it happened, they did the same exact thing. They went for the handshake, brought me in, like exactly <laughs> what you described. Guy. Exactly. You could have been right. <laughs> and right after it happened, Nick was on the side, like he was just watching this happen and he saw it and he was like, check your phone, dude, check your pockets. And I went in my pockets and it was gone. And we realized like immediately. So the inner New Yorker in me came out and I ran after the guy down the street and I said, give me back my friggin' phone. Give me back my phone. And you got it. Got it back. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, if I had known, you know, until hours later, maybe I would have been the inner Marylander chasing right. him. I don't know. <laughs> I think Paris is also notorious for pickpocketers. Um, I was on a on the metro in Paris and I had some guy's hand in my jacket pocket. And he was just fishing around for a phone, which also, <laughs> like, if you're wearing an outer jacket, don't put anything in the pockets. Yeah. Like, just the keep everything close to you. Know. Yeah. I was shocked at how good they were because I was wearing, like, a tight enough pair of pants that I didn't think any, and it was in my front pocket. I couldn't believe that he pulled that out without me feeling it. No, Granted, I had a few drinks, they, but. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give us all the details here, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're professionals. I mean, they have a lot to work with, a lot of drunk tourists, a lot of everyone. So, I mean, it's uh, every day, probably a new technique. And I don't know if they probably Googled that technique, too. So he found <laughs> out from my guy, you know, who knows? So it's exactly he's a digital nomad. It might have been the same guy. He's just bouncing between the countries. I don't know. It's, <laughs> that's another digital nomad. That's, right that's we got to get someone on the show for that. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> uh. I wonder if they consider when they do that, because I know a lot of Europeans are not, they're not nearly as confrontational, confrontational as Americans. I wonder if they worry at all about that because Americans tend to be more outspoken uh, in confrontation and more willing to, to throw the hands up. I think. <laughs> I wonder if that's ever a consideration. I had a guy in Rome try to rob me when I was getting a ticket for Florence at the big train station and I'm from New York. So I just screamed at him. And it scared him so bad that he ran. Um, <laughs> <The> <laughs> you got to like, get really aggressive. It just, just, get, like, I just get, so get big. Yeah, get big. I'm like four foot ten, so I have to act really big. <laughs> but his face was just like, she's crazy. And he ran. So it worked out. He probably quit. He was like, this is not for me anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done stealing. <laughs> uh, see, this is why I love these conversations. You never know what you're going to learn. What stories you're going to hear. I know but it is interesting that pickpocketing is some um, is an issue over in in Europe, but not in the United States, right? Like yeah. that happening in the United States, and I wonder where the difference uh, lies, like where that where that. Well, I know for for Barcelona specifically, because there's no deterrent. So, like I was reading an article of the Guardian or something. So, when these guys or women when they get caught, it's basically like a slap on the wrist. If the value of what they're stealing is under what five hundred euros, it's like a 45 euro fine and there's no accumulation so i mean i really don't blame them it's you know low risk high reward i mean you get caught 10 times if it's below the thing okay you're still on the street i think they might spend like a night in jail kind of thing like there's no yeah this like i guess in the u.s i mean if you get caught with something like that then i mean yeah it could be bad jail this and that but especially in barcelona i don't know about these other places but but i mean it, it's a paradise for them it really is like okay like i can keep doing this i mean I will make sure the value is underneath so I can just keep going. And, you know, they'll accumulate all this, you know, phones, like all the phones that they get. Like it's, so I, I know Barcelona specifically, it's, there's no deterrent. So it sounds like what you're saying is that that is a good profession to be in if you're a digital nomad. In <laughs> <Europe>. Barcelona, <laughs> yes. You take your skills there and you'll be living. And, and worst thing to happen is that you get a free place to stay. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. You, you yeah. Gig. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if if the the firearm thing in the United States probably plays a little bit into that. Yeah, that could yeah. be true. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's sort of 
wrapping up and getting close to the end here, I want to ask for just general advice. And if each of you could maybe give some of your best advice that you've learned through personal experiences for someone listening to this who maybe has very little travel experience or has a lot of travel experiences, but now is trying to make that into a digital nomad way of life. For me, my advice is to become a 10 dimensional digital nomad. So I am a yoga teacher, but I'm also the marketing coordinator for a hotel. I have management skills and past experiences. You know, if you only know how to do one thing, you're not going to get that far as a digital nomad or in life in general. So for instance, tonight I'm learning how to bartend for the first time. I don't want to be a bartender, but it's a new skill that I'm going to learn tonight. And you really need to learn new skills as a digital nomad because you can't just get paid in one way. Like you really have to expand your horizons if you want to keep that money flowing. So become 10 dimensional, learn 10 new skills and then perfect all of them. All right. Great. That's a, that's a great answer. Yeah, Britta nailed it again. Like build your side hustles. You don't want to have just one um, side income. So you can have you can go on Fiverr and get a couple of bucks that way. Um, you can also save money by house sitting. You can do a work away. Um, be creative. Don't just look at it as I'm just going to stay in one place and uh, just do this. You can't have a one track mind. So you have to be open to um, having a lot of different side hustles, staying in uh, different options for um, lodging and housing and other ways to work around the system. Um, and then I would like to leave it with, you know, a lot of people may not understand you. A lot of people uh, in you, who are close to you uh, are not going to understand this lifestyle that you want to pursue or, or get it. And um, you just got to do what's best for you. And even if your close friends or your family doesn't understand it, you know, you got to follow that dream and that, and that passion um, because you get one shot at this life here and, 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 and go for it. Just buy the ticket. Mm -hmm. I like it. Vito? Yeah, sure. For, for me, I would say um, choose something not only that you are good at, but something that you enjoy, something that gives you a good feeling in your heart when you do it. So for me, I'm good with numbers. I'm good at spreadsheets, but that doesn't really make me feel like a great person at the end of the day, right? Counting other people's money and adding up sums and pivot tables. It's, it's kind of boring. Um, so this is kind of why I chose the teaching thing was because it kind of created a, a new path for me where it gave me some satisfaction that I was helping people. It wasn't always about the money. Sure, it's nice to get a few extra dollars in your bank account to go out and do things. But um, just this past week recently, I've been teaching this student from Turkey and he's been going on job interviews and I've been giving him advice and doing role plays for interviews. And he landed his new job and he thanked me and he said he couldn't have done it without me. And like, <laughs> I would have done it for free. That feeling is unbelievable. And I think that's what it's all about really is finding something that makes you feel good and give back to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my advice, I mean, I would just say, just, just do it. Really, I mean, there's always going to be someone or personal doubts or whatever of not doing something and that that will hold you back. I don't think, you know, people say, oh, it's not a good time to do this, do that. Well, when is the good time? So I would say just just do it. And, you know, I think this day and age, you know, with, you know, the Internet and the fact that you can even be a digital nomad, we can steer away from the traditional, okay, graduate college, just find that nine to five. No, well, you, you could do like what you're saying. You're in Costa Rica. You're here, you're there. You, you have the opportunity to do that. And if you have the skills and the um, resources opportunity to be a digital nomad, then just do it. I mean, like we said before, it's not for everyone, but at least try it. Really, you can always come back. It's, you know, the U.S. or wherever you're from is not getting up and leaving. It's, it's, <laughs> it's there kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, for me, you know, when I was in college, I'd never thought, you know, I'd be, you know, have a job teaching English or live in Spain, live in Korea, but I just, just did it really, you know, just now, I mean, let's say 20 years from now, I mean, now I can say that I had that experience and, you know, I think that has shaped who I am today. And you, you know, as with all the things that we've said, you know, being abroad and that kind of thing, it, it really defines you, you pick up skills that you wouldn't get, you know, from school or from a nine to five, just a traditional job. So just the big, just, just do it. I think that's, that's the big advice there. All right. That's, that's a really good point because I think fear is, is 
holding a lot of people back, unfortunately. And I liked what you said, Matt, where you, you can always come back to this. And if you're in the United States and you're holding a position in whatever field you're holding that position in, that job is likely going to be there when you get back. And whether or not, whether or not that's with the company that you're with now or a new company in the future, to sit on the fence indefinitely uh, on whether or not you should travel the world, knowing that you're capable of doing it, or maybe not sure, maybe unsure that you're capable of doing it, should not be a deterrent. Because um, once you get that bug in you and once that starts to eat at you, and if you're listening to this and you realize that it's feasible, uh, at what point do you, do you pull the trigger? I, I think you have to. Um, that's my personal opinion. Never try, never know. Yep. Right. Amen. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elliot, do you have anything to add? No. I, do no? Not. I think this was a wonderful conversation. I, uh, I have enjoyed meeting and talking with all of you. I think you have all wonderful insights on what it means to become and be a digital nomad. Yeah, thank you all for coming on the podcast today. For for those of you listening, the in the show notes of this podcast, you will have the links to everybody's website, to their social media, so you can follow them, check out their, their sites and things like that. To our panel members, to all of you, thank you for, for your time today. We really thank appreciate you. it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Great meeting pleasure. you all. Yeah. yeah. Lovely to meet you guys.